On today's episode of Double Down Trent, it is week number 17 in the NFL. I cannot believe how fast the season goes by, but the last week of the season means there are playoff spots on the line. Now, we do want to put a caveat out there. We did record this episode on Wednesday, so some of these lines may change as teams reveal their strategies. Are people going to bench their starters, give them some rest, or do you play for the momentum and the hot spots in the playoffs? Stay tuned for episode 94 of Double Down Trend. Double Down Trend, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trend. Hey, yeah. Double down, Trent. Let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Joining us today, Mr. Model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing, bud? Ah, 2020 is heading on out. I am excited for that. Excited for us to get to 2021. And excited for us to break down week 17 of the NFL. It does not get much better than this. The playoffs are upon us. It's amazing how fast the NFL season goes. I blinked and we're at week 17. It's it's ridiculous. We are also joined by our NFL insider, Coulter. Welcome, bud. How's it going, everybody? Uh, I'm feeling good. You know, I got the second pool wins with the pot, you know, this week. So I'm, I'm even on the year in the pool. You know, you look at the season standings and you just... You know, you, you wish that you got one pick more correct each week because I'm about 15 spots off the leader. And if I'm one, plus one every single week, I have a shot to win the whole thing again this year. Unfortunately, I'm just going to have to settle for breaking even. But uh, finding my strength here as the season has gone on, I feel like I've, I've hit a good stride here in December. But week 17, it's like a World War One battlefield. It's it's grim. Yep. We'll cover that. And uh, a good win for you in the pool. Uh, for myself, I started off 0-4, did myself no favors, uh, and then I rattled off, I think, like, nine. I only lost three games on Sunday and Monday. So if only I had gotten off to a better start. But, of course, that's the uh, story of my season. So it is what it is. We've also got our Patriots expert who's living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? Doing well, doing well. Good to be with you guys today. Um, I'm trending in the opposite direction. Um, of uh, Coulter and Kaz, and um, I've had a, an atrocious couple of weeks. I mean, I'm outside panhandling for money to try and pay off these crossfires. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to get to Week 17, where honestly, like as we look at this board, anything is possible. I mean, the amount of COVID-related issues, the amount of injuries, the amount of potential sitting guys with less teams having to buy, all the different potential playoff scenarios, it's going to be a wild week, and uh, honestly, I'm pretty excited for it. Yep, it is a battleground. Now, you did say uh, you had a tough go around with the crossfires. You went 0-4. I was going to put a little soundbite in of your uh, almost near guarantee with the Chiefs and the Falcons. Do you want to comment on that one? Um, I can't tell if it's that the Chiefs just take things. Like, I think we, you know, I don't know who mentioned it last week. They played at the level of their competition. That's been something that's happened all year. I mean, took overtime to beat the Chargers early. You know, they've, they've had a lot of these games that have come down. Um, that are a little bit closer. I'm surprised they haven't started to separate themselves in certain situations, um, but also the Falcons have looked lively. I mean, I, I had gotten a debate with one of my other buddies about Matt Ryan and how much lead was left in, in the old pencil there and how much he can bring to the table for a team maybe next year. Um, 
but at the same time, like they've, they've looked like they've played hard for, for the interim head coach. And, um, and ultimately like they've been able to keep some of these games close that. And then on top of that, our three team late day parlay money line all lost. So Eagles, uh, who else? Don't remind me. (laughs) Yeah. It was brutal. I mean, like I honestly couldn't, couldn't find a winner. Apologies to the listener. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked, uh, I liked the, uh, the board last week, but at the same time, it just didn't turn out one. It just happens. Now, week 17 is my least favorite gambling week of the NFL season. To me, there's just so many dead teams. There's teams resting guys. There's buys. You never really know. And, you know, we're doing this, I think, with a slight handicap. We're recording on Wednesday. So I think there's a lot of news that's going to come out. So just uh, want to put a little caveat out there for the listeners that, you know, th- these things can change depending on what the coaches decide to do here moving forward uh, in terms of resting their players. But Mr. Model, why don't we start with uh, a general idea of who is still alive in this playoff picture and who is clinched? Because I think that'll set the tone for some of these wild scenarios. Yep. So let's start in the AFC because that feels, you know, a little messy, but a little less uh, daunting to me than the NFC. So the AFC has gotten a variety of teams that are still there. Kansas City, obviously, uh, locked in as the number one seed. And then from there, it can get uh, a little crazy. So you have Pittsburgh and Buffalo, you know, both fighting for that two and three. And then you have a number of teams that, uh, depending on how the results fall this weekend, we could see them falling into a variety of seeds. So we have Cleveland, Baltimore, Miami, Tennessee, and Indianapolis all really playing for some spots. And based on the results this weekend, we'll see kind of where they fall given their seeding for the playoffs. Yeah. And Hughes, you mentioned this, uh, assuming the four teams that are chasing the three wild card spots in the AFC, one of those teams could be 11 and five and not make the playoffs. It's just hard to fathom. Yeah, especially, I mean, we mentioned it, I mentioned it in context of what the NFC is looking at uh, with having a team that's going to get in with um, potentially six wins, uh, it, you know, it, or seven. Uh, we'll see what, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, but ultimately, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how the AFC has trended in the fact that there's some really good parity in the middle. Um, I think there's teams that have gone up and down. I think, you know, not a lot of people are buying the Steelers right now, um, and a lot of people are buying the Bills. I mean, that could change. You know, like you never know. Like drop of a hat, that stuff switches around. I do think um, the story of the, the 2020 Cleveland Browns and their fan base is the one to watch. For me, I think you have a team that's been tortured, that everybody thought was in, and then a bunch of weird scenarios have started to happen where they may be left out. And so we'll see what happens this week. I, I, I mentioned earlier that they've, they're, they're experiencing some COVID um, positive tests and has pushed them ver- uh, to be remote. Uh, so I don't know if that impacts the game. Plus Ben Roethlisberger is not playing. I think normally people would think, Oh, that's an advantage for the Browns. And I'm not saying it isn't, but Ben has not looked good either. And has not looked healthy. So by putting somebody who's a little bit, you know, maybe a little sprier Mason Rudolph, maybe that gets them uh, a little bit of a spark. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's gonna be a crazy final week in the AFC to see who can make the, make those final spots. Yeah. And uh, Coulter, you know, before we, I guess, make our picks and everything. Let's look at the board. You had one in particular that you think has got some serious value, right? You know, I do. You look at all the spreads up and down the board and one of them stands out to me. And, you know, it's the biggest one out there. It's the Jaguars 14 and a half uh, at Indianapolis. Now I know as we just went over Coulter, Max motivated, right? I get that, but 14 and a half is a lot. Jacksonville won this game straight up. And I think the, the logic here that everyone's using, I keep hearing is, is that the Jaguars are just 
going to lay flat and just die. I mean, these are professional football players. They're not just going to come out and lose 45, nothing like they might be bad enough to lose 45, nothing, but they're going to be doing that. Trying these guys are not just going to come out and get their hat handed to them by a division rival in week 17, let alone in the game where the Colts have to win the game to make the playoffs. If they lose, they're out. So it's like the Jaguars, every guy on their roster knows that they know that if the, if they can play spoiler, they're sending their division rival home packing. You don't think this game is coming down to the wire? I just feel like this is going to be a really close fourth quarter game. Uh, there is obviously the situation where Glennon throws a couple pick sixes and they do lose, you know, 40 to 15. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a great team. The Jaguars are not great. However, I think they're going to play their most spirited game of the year. And they have just simply put, they have not been that big of an underdog all season. And now all of a sudden they're being a huge underdog in week 17 in a matchup where they've already secured the number one seed. They have, Franchise-wise, there's no like tanking or motivation. It's a total misconception play. Everybody I talk to, they're tanking, they're tanking. The media has put this in people's minds. Yeah, they've tanked. That's the key distinction is that there's no ING anymore. They've tanked. They're number one. That that whole storyline, throw it out the window. It's a whole new. It's a reset. One game. They're playing a division rival that they've beaten. I'll take fourteen and a half every day. Yeah, and their their lone win of the season came against these Colts in week one. I think that was a shocker, but I've got the lines here, and I, I, I see what their spreads were. So uh, I don't even really remember this game. Apparently, they played the Packers. Uh, they were a 13-and-a-half point dog. And they played them tight, and I was going to bring that yep. up. I'm glad you brought that game up because they played them tight at Lambeau. And what did we just see? Tennessee, a team from the south, just like Jacksonville, rolled in fully healthy to Lambeau last week and got their ass handed to them. Jacksonville was depleted in that game. They were missing multiple guys in their secondary. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say the Titans were fully healthy. They have a lot of injuries on D, but they were fully healthy on offense and could have definitely hung a couple points and kept the game close. They didn't. Jacksonville played Green Bay incredibly close in that game. Incredibly exactly. close. Exactly. Now, the only thing that would be concerning is uh, the following week they played the Steelers. They were a 10.5-point dog. They lost 27-3. Uh, and then more recently in the past couple of weeks, they were a 12 and a half point dog to the Ravens. They got blown out 40 to 14. And then last week uh, against the bears, which I said, key pick mark it down. I even said, watch that Robinson is going to be a late game scratch with some kind of hamstring. That's exactly what happened. They were a nine and a half point dog. Uh, they lost 41, 17, but I like what you're saying. They, they have no reason to tank anymore. That's done. So maybe they come out and say, Hey, this is our last game of the year. Let's just go out and fucking win They're the game. They're not playing until out. September. There's no way professional football players who are not going to be doing what they love to do for nine months are going to just be like, oh, you know what? It's over. Uh, let's not go out there and have fun. They're going to yeah. be playing loose. I love teams that are playing loose. And quite frankly, you know, one of the biggest targets of our podcast, I can't say he's an enemy. He's more like a court jester, Doug Marone. This is a send off <laughs> to him. He just done a perfect job tanking for this team. I think they're going to play hard for him. I don't think he's not well liked in that. Like I've never read a story where it's like he's hated by his players. He's more just like a kind of an inept coach and he's just going to be out of town next year because they need an offensive guy to coach up Lawrence. Like that's just the, you know, that's just how it is. That's the picture down there in Jacksonville. They're going to get rid of him because he's just not good enough on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Coach a guy like Lawrence. And so, but I think they're going to play hard for this guy. I don't, this is not a team that's just going to get there. As I said, they're not going to lose in this game for a lack of trying. If Mike Glennon throws a couple pick sixes and that's a different story, but you know what? This line is way too large. I, I don't think Jacksonville is missing Robinson, but like besides that, I really don't see why they have any major injury to think that they're this huge of a dog. 
Yeah, it's a lot of points. Hughes, would you be uh, taking those points and uh, riding and back in those uh, Jaguars? So, I mean, I think it's, again, I think it's one of those games we're going to know really, really quick by the end of the first quarter as to what's going to happen. Because I do think, you know, you do start, got to start making business decisions if they, if they don't feel like they've got a chance to win. But no, I mean, I like the pick because I do think that they, you know, the, if you saw the J.J. Watt um, post game, I think it was this week. Again, these guys have a lot of pride. I mean, I, we've been in locker rooms before. No one wants to lose. Like the idea that the media has as of this construct of tanking and or players that don't care. I mean, I think that that is it. It certainly happens, but I don't think that it is in any way as pervasive as they make it out to be. I think most of these guys absolutely have everything they want to play for. And also, I mean, keep in mind, a lot of these guys have incentives in their contracts that are based on stats, that are based on performance. So there's going to be a desire to play this game, and they've played them tough before. And I do think also these guys are auditioning for next year. Like this is an opportunity to put stuff on tape. I think guys are going to get some shots that maybe didn't get a lot of run this year. And so I think they can absolutely keep it keep it close. And then on top of that, the Colts, I mean, they've obviously got a playoff spot to play for, but they're not a win and in like they've got, they need some other help. And I do think that oftentimes does end up impacting some of these games where they do end up being just a little bit tighter um, because, you know, it's just two teams that know each other. Like these aren't unfamiliar foes. And so I think it will be a little bit tighter. I like taking Jacks um, and the points because this is one of those weeks. Like to me, like there's a lot of games on the board. Just take the points. Like, I mean, it just gives you the buffer and you have absolutely, we have absolutely no idea in some of these games what's going to happen. Yeah. Mr. Model, would you be back in the, the uh, Jaguars here? I know it's a free pick for the listeners, but what do you think? Yeah, I think I can get on board with that. 14 and a half is huge. I really think that Glennon is going to show up and play uh, a sufficient level of NFL quarterback like he's shown in the past. Um, yeah, I could see them doing it. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't worry as much that uh, their Jacksonville running back is either not playing or taking taking some rest this week. I feel like they'll be able to get next guy up and it'll be totally sufficient there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I can get on board with that. Okay. I, initially, I think, go ahead, Coulter. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I also think too, we haven't talked about him here, but Bill rivers. I mean, we were talking about Glenning throwing a couple pick sixes. Who's actually odds on, you know, more, um, you know, who's the odds favorite to throw a pick six in this game? Mike Glennon, I'm sure would be, but like, is Phil Rivers really that far behind him in this game to make a huge costly error? He did it in the first week. I feel like he's going to be trying to force the ball in. That increases the chances that Phil Rivers makes a key, key mistake here. I know that this guy's playing for the postseason. This he's an old quarterback. He's desperate to get in. This guy's going to try everything in his uh, you know, cookbook to kind of get this offense going through the air. That means that Jacksonville's going to have an opportunity. I know again, this is a talentless team, and so that's what makes it such a tough proposition, but like are you really telling me that Phil Rivers is going to play a clean game in week 17, desperate to make the playoffs uh, out of the playoff picture? Currently they have to win to get in. As we've talked about, I love this spot. I mean, I love a desperate Phil Rivers. He's going to force the ball. And for our purposes, we're talking spread. We're not talking about winning right. the game 14 and a half. If, if this is true, if rivers being wild is true, what does that mean about their game plan? They're going to run the football with Taylor. If they're going to keep the ball out of rivers hand, control the clock ground pound and beat the team on the ground. That's perfect for a 14 and a half point spread. I just think there's so many factors in this game that point to me and they have the tackle problem. I, lo- I love the Jaguars working that the more we talk about it. So just to add a little bit of interesting, I saw an article uh, just popped up um, where the Colts are going to be hiding the in-game scores of all. The I did. I saw that, that before we started. Recording. So that'll yeah. be, that's always an interesting thing because to me, it can go both ways. 
you know, that can go like the, like uh, out of sight, out of mind, but also, you know, if you see some of those teams are losing, I can be some extra motivation, but granted, maybe they think, you know, obviously if, if it, if, if it looks bleak that the team might not play as hard, but uh, I do think that's an interesting psychological move because I would have actually had them up there um, just for the, just in the event that they, they might provide a little bit of extra motivation. I agree with that. And, you know, we saw this last week against the, the Steelers, the Colts jumped out to a pretty good lead there and they couldn't close the door. They not only couldn't win the game, they let Pittsburgh all the way back in and, and they end up losing that game. Uh, I, you know, 14 and a half is a lot of points. And I do agree with it's what you said. Because their secondary goal. sucks, Kaz. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to worry about with them. So it's a lot of points. Now, I want to play this hypothetical because it'll lead into a couple of good topics here. Uh, let's look at the AFC playoff picture. And I'm just going to say for shits and giggles, let's assume the Titans win their game. They win their division. They're in. So now you got these four teams competing for three spots, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Colts. Let's go around the horn here and let's choose your, your, your three teams that make it from that list. And the, or I guess let's do the one team that's out. So Coulter of those four teams, who do you think misses the playoffs? Um, the Colts are, was were on that list. Yep. The Colts are the one that needs the most help. Yeah, I would go with the Colts then. I, I think that the playoff picture, I was texting you guys early in the week. I think the NFL really would like the AFC to just hold pat. I think that the matchup that they have right now is perfect. You get Pittsburgh, Baltimore, that sells itself. You get Buffalo and, and Browns, that's going to be just a great game. Everybody's going to want to watch that game. You could schedule that at any time. That could be the Sunday afternoon game. It could be the early game on Sunday. It could be the late game Saturday. It could be the first game on Saturday. Everybody will want to watch Browns and Bills. And then obviously the uh, Dolphins game would be intri- intriguing with Tannehill. And that leaves the Colts out of it. And I just, I don't see one of these teams slipping up. I mean, the Ravens are going to take care of business against the Bengals. I just, Harbaugh versus uh, Zach Taylor, our guy in Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, they're making it right. And then it's yeah. like the more and more I look at this Dolphins situation, it looks like the Bills might, uh, if, even if they play their people and they might let up. I mean, the spread's gone down. I don't know how to read that situation. It, I, I think they had a team meeting this week, and they said we're going to be playing our guys maybe for a drive or two, and then they're going to pull them. So I think that's what we're going to see there. So that plays well for Miami. And I just think it, it comes down to Tennessee taking care of business against Houston. We'll get to that game, I'm sure, in a little bit spread-wise. But I, I, I just think if you're going to tell me Tennessee loses straight up to get the Colts in, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I think this is a team that was an AFC championship game. I like them a little bit more than Indy. So I, I take Indy to be the team out. Okay. Hughes, what do you think? Um, I hate to do this. Um, cause again, I kind of talked about it earlier. I think, I think the Browns are out. Um, I, I did. There's too many things that have gone weird down this, down the stretch. I, I Pittsburgh, again, has not played well, but they're not going to lay down and, and let the Browns walk over them. I don't think, um, I think that again, if Pittsburgh wins, it sets up a matchup with Indy, if, assuming Indy wins. Um, and so I, I, I tend to think that the Browns ultimately end up being the team that gets left out. But that being said, um, that is dependent on how the situation plays out with between, between the Browns and the Steelers. I do think Right now, I'm leaning towards the Steelers. Um, again, that spread is insane, so I, I take the points there, too. We can talk about that. Um, but I, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards the Browns. Okay. Mr. Model, who's your odd man out? I agree with Coulter. I think Indianapolis will be the one that will be odd man out. Um, I agree with everything he said. I think you see the favorites in the AFC come through and win their matchups in Week 17. I think the thing I will be rooting for is what Hughes just said, though. I would love to see – 
the Steelers win their matchup against the Browns this weekend, even if they have a lot of their backups going and get that two seed so that they can uh, avoid Baltimore in the first round. Man, the, the Colts are in a tough spot. Uh, I'm riding, or I'm not riding, I guess I'm picking against the Colts as well. If you need help in the last week, you're, you're really not that good of a team, let's be honest. I had the Colts uh, preseason at a 3-1 to one favorite to win the division, so uh, I guess there's maybe technically still a shot at that, but I don't, I'm not counting on that one. Um, and it would be a real tragedy for Browns fans if they go and win 10 games this year and miss the playoffs, that would be just atrocious. Now I've got a scenario here with Miami. I want to talk to you boys about because we were texting during that uh, Raiders dolphins game and it was a just weird, wild back and forth game, but they really looked stagnant with Tua and then Fitz Fitz magic jumps in and he takes them down. They get the win somehow. Um, do you think there's any credence to all of a sudden looking to the sport of baseball and saying Tua is our starting quarterback, but Fitzy called to the bullpen, bring him in to finish. Let's call him the closer. Hughes, I mean, it's working. Do you think they will just ride this method? So uh, two troubling things from this week that I've seen so far. One of them is the Dolphins have not named Fitz the starter. I don't know. I, I, I think it's an interesting play to have a starter and a, and a closer. Uh, and I think it, but it, again, it, it just is so dependent on knowing when to flip the switch, knowing how well it works. Fitz has looked so much better in my opinion, uh, in terms of the energy and the, and just the, the overall success that he's brought to the offense. I think, again, I think two is the future. I think that that's clear though. I will say there was an interesting comment. Um, don't remember. Sorry. I think it might've been Mike Tannenbaum um, had said uh, about the fact that the dolphins may look at Justin Fields. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because um, obviously they're going to be picking pretty high because they have the Texans pick, I believe. Right. Yep. If, yep. if I'm tracking that correctly. Um, but again, like, I, so I don't know, maybe there is some doubt in Miami about Tua, And I think that was part of the conversation that we all had, uh, you know, prior when they decided to start him when the team was doing so well was, does this signify, what does this tell you? Does this tell you that they want to see what they've got? Does this tell you that they think they've got the guy and they just want to get him in there and get him some reps does this tell you that they don't think Fitz is the guy? And I, I was in the camp that I think this maybe was, given the fact that they had a high pick, a play to see, is this the guy for the future? Now, Flores has said that that's insanity, that people like me are crazy, and that we're you know probably off in the conspiracy theory land. But I do think that there's something to the fact that he hasn't looked great. And I don't think that that's injury-related. I don't think it's been you know how you know, dependent on you know how successful he's been throwing the ball. I just don't think it's looked great. And that maybe he's a young guy is it's obviously it's a huge transition, but, um, but I am interested to see how that, how that goes in the draft, given the fact that they'll have a high pick. So I, I would, I would start Fitz. I think he gives you the best chance. It's a must win game. And so that's where I would go. It's uh, it's, it's wild. I was watching the game very closely. And like you said, Hughes, it's just Fitz magic gives them a better spark and he's just got energy. But what I think it really is when I'm, when I'm watching the games, Two is just not taking shots and it doesn't even have to be down the field. You know, I'm talking like those mid range passes, like eight to 15 yards where Fitz is throwing those. And I don't know if it's Tua just doesn't think that they're open. Maybe he's used to just still throwing the guys at Alabama and knowing they're wide open. And that's the difference between NFL open and college open. 
I don't know, but it's been, uh, it's pretty fascinating to watch it. All of a sudden they just bring in their closer and it works. I mean, I would love it. Let's find like Ryan Fitzpatrick, some kind of closer music. Let's dim the lights. Let's do this like fucking baseball and get the crowd going. Right. I'm in, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It'd be fun. And I would do think too, like the weird thing is I agree with you. If you watch the other rookie quarterbacks, Hertz and uh, Herbert, I feel like they go out there and play instinctually. We talked about this a little bit with the Wentz uh, Hertz thing. It does seem like Tua's thinking about it. It's like he doesn't want to make a mistake. Like he's trying to like wait. And you're right. I think in the NFL that can't happen because the windows are so small, the margin is so is so small that you can't. You have to just go out and sling it. You're going to throw some interceptions. You're a young guy. You got to make those decisions and those things fast and at 100 miles an hour. And it doesn't seem like he's clicking that way. It does. That being said, it's kept them in games. It's given them a chance to win some of these games and bring fits in. Uh, but I do think like there's just something with his approach. He's just got to go out there and play. Yeah. Mr. Model, let's turn to your favorite division in football, what you have so callously referred to as the NFC least. <laughs> Somehow, three of the four teams are alive. So what would happen is if Washington wins, they're in. Otherwise, if they lose, the winner of the Giants-Cowboys game wins the division and gets in. Which of those three teams are you back in this week? Yeah, this might be a little crazy, but I, uh, if I had to pick a horse, I would say give me those Dallas Cowboys. I think uh, the Eagles make it happen against the Washington football team. I think they end up winning that game. So well, that means Washington's out. And then in the game against uh, the New York football Giants, I think the Dallas Cowboys play their best football maybe of the whole year and win that one, even though they're slightly favored by three right now. And they are going to be the NFC East champion. That's crazy to say. It's absolutely insane to think because if you look back, what, like not even like five or six weeks ago, they were terrible. We had our boy Danucci just throwing up eggs left and right. It's just it, it blows my mind that Dallas could be the team representing the NFC East here. Colter, what are you thinking in this division? Well, I think Dallas, I mean, from our preseason picks, you remember I was very high on them. That offense was always very potent, and it was very important for them to get Gallup involved. And you see now that they have all three firing how good this offense could have looked if Dak had remained healthy. And obviously the addition of Pollard gives them another wrinkle in the running game. I know people killed Zeke for being you know, a bum or whatever. I think he's still very good, and I think having Pollard is just another asset, which is what my opinion of that offense was in the – preseason so I mean to go off what the model says you know I, I kind of agree I think the Cowboys have good value right now uh, I, I kind of like the Giants playing spoiler but that offense has been so bad um, the thing that's really important to remember is whatever advantage football team has on the Eagles in week one when they played Wentz they don't have it from a pass rushing standpoint I think uh, Hurts really helps Philly in that game and I think Philly will be live that game will be close I'd say take a flyer on Dallas why not yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Mr. Model, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but maybe if you can crunch some numbers here. What I'm actually thinking of doing is instead of buying in Dallas uh, to win the NFC East at their odds, I, I, I forget what that number is. I would rather, and I think what I'm going to do is do a money line parlay on the Cowboys and the Eagles. Now, if I did that, and you can let me know if that's smart or not. Is that better odds, you think, than uh, than just taking the Cowboys, whatever odds they are right now, to win the division? I will get back to you on that. Like that. Okay. Now, I'm going to go on a quick rant here because as the Giants fan, uh, I, I do think we should lose this game. And I know we just got over saying we can't – these players don't tank. They don't tank. And then they don't. 
I think they're going to lose, though, even if they try and play this game because their offenses look so lackluster that it's ridiculous. But, Hughes, I want to throw this one out to you here. What we've seen the past couple of years is franchises looking at their quarterback, and we just talked about it with Tua, and saying, is this our guy? And then the next year saying, maybe we draft somebody with a high pick. We just saw the Cardinals do it, and potentially the Dolphins can do it. My beef with the New York football giants is they were really high two years ago on Justin Herbert. And if he had come out, the rumors were that was the Giants pick. They loved him. They wanted him. This year, at number four, they chose not to take Herbert. So they didn't go with the route of the Cardinals. Do you think they should have done that knowing what we know? Or does that change things because we already retroactively have seen that Herbert is looking much better than Daniel Jones? Yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, again, I, I, I think that where Dan Jones is at is very interesting and none of us really know exactly what the giants think of him. And I think that that's always the hardest part of the evaluation process. I saw it a little bit with the Pats and the start Stidham movement that Bill Belichick clearly answered a question this past week where he was asked, you know, based off of the fact that you haven't played him, is it safe to assume that you know what you feel like you need to know about whether he's the future guy? And Belichick said something like, yeah, I think you could, I think you could make that connection or something, but I do think like these guys are evaluated in practice at such a level in it. So to me, I think the giants should, should stick with Dan Jones for the short term. I think the Justin Herbert thing has been a little bit of a perfect storm. And again, I think that situation also, I, I hate to say that the, that the circumstances dictate the outcome because I don't think that that's always the case, but he found out he was going to start when he walked on the field before the game. Like we're talking about, feet just right into the fire. And I think that that helped him. I think it helped that team believe in him. And I think it helped him believe in himself. There wasn't a whole lot of like nerves or anything that could happen. It was like, Hey, let's go play. And he's been able to take that and run with it hurts similarly. And so I do think that there's, you know, there's something about it where I think Dan Jones has had some unfortunate injury issues and he's had some unfortunate ball security issues. It it felt like he was, he was improving on the ball security and then he got hurt again. So is Dan Jones going to always be hurt? I don't know. But at the same time, I think he's a capable quarterback. If not, if I were the Giants, I'd really look at the offensive coordinator more than I'd look at anything else. I'm not a Jason Garrett guy. I thought that they brought him in because they had a first year coach and they wanted to have somebody with some experience. But I also think they need to get more innovative with the play calling. And honestly, too, having talked to Giants fans, they need a running. They, they need to run the ball with the quarterback in order to really hit on what Daniel Jones is good at or what his you know kind of unique skill set is, which he's got some good feet. He can move around and it didn't seem like they could do that once he pulled the hammy and then sprained his ankle and all the other stuff. So long story short, no, I think they drafted an offensive lineman who's proven that he's can, he's gotten better as the years gone, gone on. He's had a little bit of a regression the last couple of weeks. Maybe their offensive line has looked a little worse, but I do think they've got a good offensive lineman and having two quarterbacks just creates controversy, right? I mean, I think if they were, I think what will end up happening is I think they'll move on for Daniel Jones and draft somebody if that's what they want to do, not necessarily have, you know, another high profile, you know, rookie quarterback come in and compete. So that's kind of where I'm at with the giants on that. And I think, you know, based off what you saw from Haskins and what, what happened this week with Washington football team, you know, these picks are so hard. Like, and to say that you had a guy that you maybe believed in, and then you're going to take another guy that you also believed in just to me, seems like you're overstacking the deck a little bit, but it's the NFL. And without a quarterback, as we've seen, you can't really win much. I do agree with that analysis. And my only thought on that is that if they were so high on Herbert and that was their guy, if you had a shot to take him, you you should have taken him. And I know it sets your franchise back. You waste two first round picks in a row on quarterbacks. 
it, it's tough to do, but you know, we're seeing Arizona do it this year. Maybe they're the, the weird outlier that made that work, but you know, I'm curious to see, and I think we talked about it last week on the pot. If this becomes a trend where teams just, you know, recognize, Hey, we made a mistake and let's move on from it quickly. But Mr. Model, uh, what have you got for us here in terms of that bet? Yep. So with given the current odds that I'm seeing right now, here are your two options. Option number one, you take Dallas to win the, the, the division for the NFC East. The odds I'm seeing on that right now are plus 235, which translates to about 30%, 30% likelihood that they're going to win the division. Okay. All right. Now, if you go the other way, if you do the money line parlay of Philadelphia and Dallas both winning, um, the first game, Philadelphia to win is plus 115, which puts them right around 47% chance to win. If you parlay that with Dallas to beat the Giants, which is minus 150, right around 60%, you get uh, plus 258 odds. So your better bet, if you liked Dallas in this spot, is not to take them to win the division outright, but in- to instead parlay those two games together and get plus 258 instead of 235. Yeah, baby. Like that. All right. I think that might be my play. We're just giving out value here. We got the Jags. We've got this parlay clicking on all cylinders, boys. Um, All right, Mr. Model, let's jump in. Uh, Let's review the standings from our man versus model tournament. And then let's get into week 17 picks. Oh, man. All right. So this is the last week for anyone to make some gains in the listener standings that we're doing. Uh, Megan Cazalet continues to be the leader in the clubhouse, but it's getting pretty close. This last week should be interesting to see how it plays out. She has 46 points total, still a couple away. In second place, Hannibal, still trailing, still lurking at 43 points. And then in third place, still lurking as well, Ryan, the man, at 42 points. So those those three have the best possibility of, of coming in first in this whole listener competition. The one I'll call out that I have my eye on, I am... Uh, currently tied at 36 points with our NFL insider Coulter as well as Luann. So I will see if I can uh, try to knock off both of them and uh, see if I can get fourth place there. Yeah, a lot's on the line here. Megan attempting a wire-to-wire victory in this challenge. It would be absolutely incredible. And like we said, we're going to hold off her true impact until the playoffs, and hopefully she can make us all very rich. But to the listeners, the offer still stands. If you would like Megan's picks, message us, send us a, something in Twitter, email, text us, whatever you want to do. We'll give it to you. All right. Let's go over the games that we've got for week number 17. And the way I picked the five games this week, I tried to pick the games that um, largely had their starters playing. There's been some updates here, um, but most, uh, if not all, have playoff implications. So that's how I picked Um, The first two games both come from the NFC East. We have Philadelphia home against the Washington football team. And then the second game, the New York football giants against those Dallas Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Um, And then the next three games are kind of a a variety, if you will. Um, The Los Angeles Rams um, are playing the Arizona Cardinals. Right now, the Rams are favored minus one and a half. Um, The Chicago Bears are uh, the favorite there. Minus five and a half for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, I think... I think that's uh, that can't be right. That has to be uh, Green Bay Packers uh, favored by five and a half. I think I must have put that in wrong. And then the last game that we have Buffalo Bills against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Buffalo is favored by four and a half. Interesting. Yeah. Green Bay is definitely the favorite in that game. Uh, like we said, some tough matchups here. These things can change, but in our pool for our challenge, these lines are locked. So 
some value if you want to win these picks here in the Double Down Trend podcast pool. Um, all right. Let's turn to our picks here. Now, Colto, you're coming fresh off of a victory in our office football pool challenge. Another one, more cash in hand. So why don't you go ahead and make your first pick of the week? All right. Um, well, I kind of was going to go with the Jaguars as my first pick. If I, if I could throw a total out there for the listeners, that'll be my bonus pick of the week uh, in addition to that Jags play. So the Jags were going to be my best bet, number one. I I know that this is a public play right now. It says 97% of the money's on the over, but I can't go high enough for me. I love 56 over Tennessee and Houston. Feel free to challenge me on this. This is a Tennessee defense that literally can't pass rush. And when Deshaun Watson has time, this guy is a top three quarterback in the league. I just see fireworks in this game. I don't see how either of these teams uh, stop each other. Both defenses are beaten up. I think they both go down the field. Uh, Tannehill and Watson have both been really efficient all year long. You get Hen- the Henry factor. This guy can take a hand off for 80 yards and get you six points. If you're an over better quickly, even as a running back, he's a missile. Uh, I can see a, you know, a sloppy turnover in this game. I, I, I just see points on top of points here. I actually think in all these games where the teams are vying for a playoff spot, I think the Jags game is going to go over in that turf field too. I like a lot of these games just to go over. I think teams are going to be trying hard. Um, to just to get points. And I, I just don't, I know, I, I think the mindset amongst most gamblers is it's week 17 uh, in December, bet the unders to bet the unders. There's no factors in this, in Houston and in Indianapolis. There's no weather factors. There's no actual factors. There's just bad secondaries. And to me, that means points. Um, I think Brown cooks. There are some guys in this game again, like Henry, who could just take one to the house and get you an easy sixth. I love this situation. I know it's a high total and I know the public's all over it. But as I said, it can't get high enough for me, 56 over in the Tennessee Titans game. My only concern with that is uh, Deshaun Watson's health. Isn't there a shot or a chance that maybe they don't play him? I keep hearing that McCarron, uh, there were rumors that he would play. I guess this is contingent if Watson plays. My opinion is, is that similar to Jacksonville, like this guy Watson loves playing football. If he's healthy, why wouldn't he want to go out there and play? I know it's a huge investment for the franchise and the owner might come in over the top and rule him out or whatever. But like if he's healthy and he wants to play and he is suiting up on Sunday, that's great for you if you're an over better. Cause I mean, I could see the guy throwing four touchdowns against Tennessee. They have no answers on defense. Uh, and quite frankly, I know I, I know I said I bounced the Colts when we asked that question earlier, but can't you see if all these big dogs, if there's a live money line, isn't Houston the biggest threat on the live money line to upend the season? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they're a division rival, a shot to really knock Tennessee down to a wild card team, which I think that's a motivation enough. And then when you factor in, uh, like you said, JJ Watts, uh, JJ Watts speech at the end of that game. I think you might have a live locker room there. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot on that line. So Their picks going to Miami too. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's no reason for them to tank in this situation. I, I don't know. I just feel like if Watson plays, and I think he's going to, I don't see why he's going to be like quote unquote held back. I think he's going to be fully unleashed, and it's going to be just like the Jaguars game. Two football teams that are just playing. One's playing loose. One's playing extremely tight. And I, I just see all sorts of problems for Tennessee's defense. They can't pass rush. They've had 15 sacks on the whole year. They're horrible. Yep. And if I may borrow a line from Barstool Sports, life is too short to bet the under. So bet the overs. Uh, Okay, so Jags plus 14 is your pick. I know we discussed that a little earlier. So let's turn it over now to uh, Mr. Model. Why don't you give us your first pick? 
Yeah, so uh, you guys let me know if this is okay. So I'm going to be going to the a- AFC East, and I like uh, the Miami Dolphins plus four and a half is where it's locked into the to the pool that we play. Um, there has been some stories that have come out saying that um, bu- the Buffalo Bills, McDermott, has said that they have a plan for their starters. Now, he has not said whether they're going to sit their starters. He has not said whether they're going to play the whole game but that they have a plan and it hasn't been communicated yet to their players, um, let alone that therefore he doesn't want to share it with the media. If I'm a betting man, I say that there's a pretty good chance that they sit the starters for, if not a half, uh, likely more. And because of Miami's uh, utter desperation to get into the playoffs and need a win here, I like them and you're giving me four and a half points. Um, so I'll I'll jump all over them. Give me Miami plus four and a half in the spot and expect the Buffalo Bills to at least rest their starters for a half, if not more. OK, Hughes, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with that I think part of the problem um, is that with fewer fewer bye weeks or fewer teams getting buys, I do think we're going to see some teams um, try and shut it down. I think it's possible that they wait to see if they can get the two seed as the Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're playing at the same time. They're lined up at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, again, if it's halftime and the Steelers are getting blown out, um, by the Browns and it looks pretty clear, I can't imagine that they trot Josh Allen back out there, um, along with some of their other, um, starters, but at the same time, uh, do, and, and to the model's point, the line's, I think down to one and a half currently. Um, so it's definitely been, there's been a swing towards the dolphins, but I think like we talked about earlier, a lot of it's going to depend from my perspective on who's starting at quarterback. Um, and I don't know if they, have they asked whether it's two or yet or fits? They have not announced yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because that that obviously will play in. I like the pick for the Dolphins. I do think they've got more to play for. The weather is the interesting thing. I don't. I think it's going to be cold, but I don't see any snow um, in terms of what the breakdown that I'm looking at right now is. So, um, but obviously, a team from Miami going to Buffalo and you know New Year's weekend is not always the most ideal from a you know playing perspective. Uh, You know, obviously they don't they don't play in those conditions very often. So that's a possible thing to look at. But no, I like the Dolphins in this spot too. Colter, what do you got? Yeah, I was I shouldn't uh, bled with my overplay that I I'm specifically avoiding taking Miami and uh, Cleveland on this podcast because I or I, I honestly I kind of agree with Hughes' perspective that Pittsburgh at eight and a half is actually the value play, but I think the Cleveland and Miami situations are way too wild to hand out as best bets uh, this early in the week. So I would go as far to say that if Buffalo announces you know, plan to sit there, guys, I'm going to make Miami my key pick, but I'm just not going to hand it out because it's not four and a half right now. And actually at one and a half, and if, if the gamblers bet this the other way and you can get Buffalo plus one, I would actually say that's best bet material for me. I love Buffalo plus one in this game. I don't understand why you would ever think that Miami is going to be favored or good enough to be favored in this game. I know there's a motivational thing here, but Tua has shown me nothing against defenses the biggest defense can we talk? I mean, we, I, we kind of skipped over that defense. Isn't good. Not only was he not going downfield cast, they're not good. I mean, how can you not pick apart that defense? His counterpart, Herbert, who we've been praising <laughs> picked him apart literally just six days before. So, uh, and we know how bad this Vegas D is. And so if he, if he struggled with that defense in a neutral or a, in a turf field with uh, neutral weather conditions, I do not like him in the cold against Buffalo. I know the defense there hasn't been great, but they've definitely tightened up recently. And if you're telling me their starters are on the field to begin the game and two is the quarterback in Miami and Buffalo is somehow still plus one under those situations. I like Buffalo in that. 
Uh, again, I'm going to go with Miami in the pool. Most likely is the key pick, but if, if the people that are listening, see Buffalo at plus one and they get two as Miami starter in that situation, I'll take Buffalo big time. Mr. Model, I'm very glad you picked this game. And I hope that Sean McDermott is listening to this podcast because I don't think he is. But, hey, you have got to win the game. Let me go, Herm. You play to win the game. I think they should trot out Josh Allen and fucking win this game, okay? It potentially knocks Miami out of the playoffs if some scenarios go right. But you also keep your momentum. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I know it's a detriment to not have a bye as the number two seed this year. But guess what? The Bills are absolutely piping hot. Not only have they won, I think, six in a row, they've covered their last seven. This team is rolling. And I don't think you want to lose that momentum. I hearken back to, I don't remember what year it was, but when the Colts were potentially going to be undefeated and they sat Peyton Manning the last week of the season, they lose the game. And guess what? They lose in the playoffs two weeks later. I'm not and that potentially could happen. But the Bills should do this. You want to stay hot and keep this momentum going into the next week. I think there's something to be said for that. And Coulter, I am a thousand percent with you. If this number gets to Bills plus anything, I am jumping all over it. But Mr. Model, watch this. I'm still going to crossfire you here. I'm going to wow. take Buffalo minus four and a half because wow. I think they're the better team. If Tua is coming out on that offense, they're not doing anything. And hopefully they find time to fit, flip it over to Fitzmagic, but I don't think they're going to do that. Buffalo's defense is very good, and I love what they're doing on offense. Even if they bring in uh, Barkley, I don't hate the drop-off there. I really don't. So I'm going to crossfire you there. I think they let Josh Allen play most of this game, and I think they get a big enough lead to cover that four and a half. Ballsy move right there, Mr. Model. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I will uh, welcome that cross crossfire with open arms. Love it. Uh, okay, Hughes, give us your first pick and, of the week. And here I was backing away from that game because I didn't think we would want to crossfire or talk about it because of the, of the lack of value on the Buffalo side. I'm, I'm hey, pretty stunned on that one. I'll be honest. I do think they're going to play these guys. And I know if they don't play Josh Allen, that's going to look like a really bad crossfire on my part. But I still think I'm going to stand by that there is something to be said about momentum, especially if you don't have the bye week. And a chance to clinch the two, in my opinion, is really a big deal for, for Buffalo. You don't want to rely on Pittsburgh losing and you backdooring your way in there because we've seen the Chiefs this year. They've played down to their, ta- their, their talent, so there's a chance the Chiefs get knocked off. And now you're going through Buffalo to make it through the Super Bowl. I think the motivation is all there for that team. So I like all those points that I said, and I'll stand by it. All right, Hughes, let's get your first pick. All right, so first pick, I'm going, I'm going home, boys. I'm going home because there's no way that, that, that this team doesn't win. There's no way this team doesn't cover. Pats minus three um, is what I'm seeing right now. They're playing the Jets. There's no possible way they're losing the last game of the season at home to the Jets. Now, if the Jets had a chance to get the number one pick, I could see Bill Belichick maybe eh, mailing it in a little bit this week, resting some guys. Um, but again, I think as we've talked about with a, lot, with a lot of this stuff, these guys are competitors. I think if, you know, the, if you looked at any of their postgame stuff from last week, the, you know, they were pretty upset with the fact that they got embarrassed by the Bills. Um, it is a short week for them, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of pride on that team. I think they bounce back, finish the season seven and nine, and the three points is, you know, I, I don't see that as an issue in terms of covering at home. So I'm running with the Pats minus three against the Jets. Wow. Picking against the second hottest team in football. I like it. <laughs> Colter, what do you got here? 
simply put, life is full of challenges. Why make it more complicated betting against Bill Belichick? I'm not going to do it. I don't usually do it. I'm not going to do it in week 17. Uh, you will not get a crossfire out of me, Mr. Hughes. <laughs> well played on the, the par golf course there. That is definitely no way I'm touching that one. That's a nice, easy seven iron right into the middle of the green. Mr. Model, what do you got? Yeah, no way I'm touching this with a 10-foot pole. Uh, totally in agreement that the Patriots are likely to win here and cover. Their offense has looked absolutely inept, but that does not mean I will go anywhere near that Jets offense either. Give me the Patriots in this game. What's weird, not- what's weird about this game is, is if they played it in L.A., I almost would like it because I feel like Darnold would feel closer to home, but like he's so far away from home in New England that it like he becomes worse the further he gets away from that warm, sunny California air. So it's like it is funny. I actually think he would be due for a, a relatively good game if it wasn't in New England, if it was somewhere neutral. But because it's in the elements, I think Belichick's totally in his head and he's going to neutralize and him for sure. One other one other little twist to this interesting little thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this week. There's been a lot of rumors about Adam Gase to the Pats. And there was a lot of praise this morning in Bill Belichick's press conference for what Adam Gase has done the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. along with a story yesterday that the Jets are going to fire him immediately after the game, which I think we all know anyways. But I do think, and I don't know how this plays into it, but I do think there's an element of this where maybe this is a job, maybe this is a job interview that, that maybe – you know, I don't know what McDaniels is going to end up doing, but maybe maybe Gase and the Pats is something that makes sense. The Pats need to re, reinvigorate their offense a little bit. And so, you know, who knows? But uh, but that that's another little subplot. As a guy who just got another coach's just leftovers as our offensive coordinator, trust me, you don't want anywhere near that stink. You don't want Gase's shitty offense molded into the Patriots. Believe me, I just saw Jason Garrett do this with the Giants. He sucks. Gase sucks. I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want him being my water boy. I don't think this guy should be in the league. Get him out. I don't want him anywhere near any football teams moving forward. And especially if I was a Pats fan, Bill, I'd be very nervous about that. You know, if that's a job interview, though, are you worried that they might dial up some uh, some trick plays and some offensive magic? Well, I mean, you don't want to embarrass your new employer uh, right before you got going into the job interview. So, (laughs) no, I think I think they'll try and do some things. I I do think, again, I think it'll be a competitive game, uh, but I do think the Pats ultimately. Uh, we'll end up pulling it out, pulling it out. And um, again, the gaze to the past stuff is, is an interesting subplot. I do. I, I, I think Bill, Bill Belichick has done a good job in situations like this with bringing in uh, different coaches, uh, kind of rehabilitating their reputation and some of that stuff. And, you know, and also just kind of t- trying to learn a little bit of, of, of what they've done. And I think Gase is a much better coordinator than he is a head coach. Uh, though at the same time, if you look at some of the success of the teams when he was the coordinator, it wasn't great uh, since he, since he left, where was he with Rogers and, um, in Green Bay at when he first started his career, where was he at? Chicago, wherever Chicago. he was at, as a, his first coordinator job where he you know had some success. So um, I'm interested to see how it plays out, but um, but no, Gase is, Gase is an interesting cat. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, for the record, I'm also on the Pats here. Uh, I, I think you nailed every point there, Hughes. I just can't see Belichick losing this game. Now that he knows the Jets aren't getting the first pick, I think this is going to be a, a spike game for him, and he wants to go out uh, with with a win here. So that's a unanimous pick. Good job. Par golf there. Um, my first pick, it's tough for me because I, I hate picking games where uh, teams are dead, so I, I try to avoid that in Week 17. Um, I'm going for a motivational game, and I am going to take uh, the number one seed, the Green Bay Packers, to go into Chicago and get a victory. I like them at minus five and a half. 
I know Chicago uh, needs this game as well, and they probably have more to play for than the Packers do. But in terms of motivation, I see the Packers here with a chance to clinch the number one seed, as well as a shot to maybe knock the Bears out of playoff contention. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, they don't want to lose the number one seed. So for me, five and a half Rogers is rolling. That offense is absolutely cooking. Uh, I know since, uh, our guy, Matt Nagy has given up the play calling the bears offense all of a sudden looks, uh, alive here. So this could be another overplay, but, uh, give me the Packers minus five and a half. Uh, what do you think on that pick there? Hughes. Crossfire. Whoa. Okay. All right. Um, and I'm quick to the draw. I, I think that I just, the, this is the classic Packers trap situation. In my opinion, again, they, they looked unbeatable. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not loving, I'm not loving this matchup for them. Um, I do like what the bears have been doing and I'll take the points again. I think, I think the Packers can win this game. I don't, I'm not trying to say it's a money line play, but the five and a half, I mean, I'm in, I, I, I think, I think they've played well enough to de- to deserve um, a little bit of confidence, and I'm going to ride with the Bears. Okay, I like that. Coulter, what do you think? I so badly want to join Hughes on the crossfire here, but my New Year's resolution to start 2020 was don't bet on Matt Nagy, so I, I'm going to follow through <laughs> to the very end and avoid. But if I do it, if I am picking a side, it's the Bears here. The reason why I'm going to hold off on the crossfire is the Bears' recent wins, I know they're on a three-game win streak, are against three really injured and depleted and crappy defenses, Houston, Minnesota, and Jacksonville. Uh, Packers' defense, on the other hand, is actually peaking. Their their pass rush, we were talking about it on Sunday night, is just actually really good. I think it might be the best in the NFC. And so with old quarterbacks like Brady and Breeze, I think Green Bay has a real advantage uh, bringing heat against quarterbacks. I think if they can bring the heat against Trubisky, this could turn into a blowout if he makes a mistake. So that's why I'm going to stay away. But at the five and a half number, this is all the things you said is absolutely right from a gambling standpoint. This is a weird spot for the Packers. I think they're going to get a lot of gambling action on Green Bay after that Sunday night win. People are going to think they're max motivated to uh, cover this number. It's in that weird Vegas zone. 87% of people are already on the Packers. So again, if I'm going to pick this game, I'm taking Bears five and a half because I think it's terrific value. Uh, you have a division game and the team's hosting and you're getting five and a half. That's almost on principle automatic uh, bet. Um, but I'm not going to crossfire you because I do think the Bears, I don't know, the teams they've played recently are just not very good. So I don't have a good feel for the Bears. And again, Matt Nagy. So stay away on the crossfire, but that is on the Bears in the pool. Mr. Model, what are you thinking? Uh, I think this is really interesting. So I like Green Bay in this spot. But if we did a little scenario here, and I'll I'll tell you why I like Green Bay. I think they're going to be motivated to play, and I think their starters are going to play the whole game. Because if they were to lose to Chicago and the other games that we see happening that actually come through, like I anticipate the Saints beating the Carolina Panthers, and I anticipate Seattle beating San Francisco, that would actually drop Green Bay all the way to the third seed, where they would have Chicago again as the first round playoff matchup, if Chicago were to beat them as the sixth seed. So I actually think green Bay wins here. I could see maybe Chicago keeping this close, uh, but losing and, and still covering, but I think green Bay wins pretty easily outright so that they retain the first seed and retain the buy. Yeah, that's my, my factors there is that they do not want to lose that one seed. And I think there's still a possibility for that happening. So that's my motivation. All right, two crossfires already. Coulter, why don't you take it away with your key pick of the week? 
Yeah, this one's actually pretty easy for me. Uh, I'm going to go with the Seahawks at uh, five and a half. Uh, in a week where the lines keep moving based on motivation and injury, this one has stayed uh, flat. I actually shockingly flat. I just don't get who's backing the Niners at this point to keep this line down and off the key number of seven. It, uh, if it's the biggest sharps and I'm SpongeBob SquarePants and I'm going to be fine with it in week 17 because it's the end of the year. Uh, just a few reasons why I like Seattle here. This is an obvious revenge spot for Seattle. They lost this exact game last season uh, and the opportunity to play at home throughout the postseason. They were going to be the number one seed in the NFC last year, and they lost on Sunday Night Football in Week 17. And I can't help but think that Pete Carroll is using that as bulletin board material this week for the, his team. Uh, there's a familiarity factor that I think is important here. Seattle has played in the venue in 2020. They play there every year. I know it's not a technical home game for San Fran. It's in Arizona. Um, so it, it's not really a road game for Seattle. I think they're used to this and, and San Fran, quite frankly, has stunk in Arizona. They won there as a quote unquote road team last week, but they lost their previous two games as quote unquote home team. And, uh, this is exactly what you would call a neutral field, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make here. And on a neutral field, I make these rosters a full touchdown. Seattle is a full touchdown better than San Fran. What they, what the Niners are currently trotting out. There is no way you can look at these rosters and tell me with a Seattle motivation that the line should not be seven. Uh, there's no Ayuk. There's no Trent Williams. There's they're, they're missing guys left and right. This is the most depleted roster in football. Uh, not to mention Seattle is still going for the number one seed. So again, the motivation is all on Seattle. Uh, I know it's factored into the line a little bit here, but if you look at new Orleans, they're at six and a half Indianapolis, as we pointed out earlier, 14, 14 and a half in some places in Tennessee is over the key number at seven and a half. What is different about Seattle than any of those teams? Uh, and then lastly, I think the Niners are just simply over overinflated coming off a national TV game where they beat Kyler Murray. Uh, I've been touching on this kind of throughout my handicap here, but the Niners upset the Cardinals and have people thinking that they're good again. I just don't see that. Uh, I know I preach that the Cardinals had an edge in this matchup. I'm just going to reverse my opinion on that flat out here. Cliff Kingsbury just stinks. And if you're adjusting the Niners uh, and making them a middle of the pack team, which at five and a half, that's what Vegas is saying. They're saying the Niners are a little bit less than an average team. They're about 18th in the NFL in rankings based on that number. That is not true. They are depleted. They have a third string quarterback. They have a third string running back. They have backups all over their defense. This is a bottom eight team. They should be underdogs by a touchdown. The line is incorrect. Seattle five and a half. Yep. Uh, Hughes, what do you like on that game? I'm so torn on this because ultimately I think that the Niners are better um, with the current quarterback that they have than they were with Mullins. Um, I think that they ultimately have a better shot there. Um, but at the same time, I do agree. I think Seattle known, known entity, they've got to get a win um, or they don't have to, but I think, you know, like I think they've got the motivation to get one. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm on Seattle as well. Uh, I think, I will say it does seem like, you know, San Fran, again, winning last week against Arizona seemed more about Arizona than it did about San Fran. It seemed like they just, Arizona either mailed it in or uh, they just couldn't get it going. Um, and I think with, with some of the injuries that, that Coulter mentioned, um, I do like the r- roster to roster. I like Seattle a lot more, so I'm going to ro- roll with the Hawks. Mr. Model, who are you riding in yep. this game? Yeah, I totally agree. I like Seattle in this spot as well. I, I totally agree with Coulter's thinking around some of the injuries that San Francisco is facing, even though they are great at scheming and getting players in positions where they can be successful. I still think Seattle will, will come through here and, and, and cover five and a half and win. 
Yeah, I like that as well. Uh, for all the points you just said, I think Hughes said it perfectly that the uh, the Niners win last week was more of an indictment on the Cardinals. Uh, I'm not buying them. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think Seattle with a shot for that one seed, but most likely they're going to end up, I think, with a shot at the two seed um, is more realistic for them. But, yeah, they've got all the motivation there. Five and a half. That's nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm taking them as well. So par golf again. Okay, Mr. Model, let's get your key pick. Yep, I'm going to, again to a game that has uh, playoff implications. I am taking the Baltimore Ravens minus 11 and a half, which is locked in, in our pool uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think uh, the Baltimore Ravens have been playing some fantastic football these last couple of weeks. I think Lamar Jackson is playing much better than the skeleton of the quarterback that he was a couple of weeks ago. These guys will be full motivated to win and win big, uh, get into the playoffs, get some momentum. I just think that Cincinnati is a, you know, a puppy that's whimpering and heading on their way out. You know, Zach Taylor has some question marks to me around. Is he going to be the coach again next year or are they going to be looking for someone new? Uh, they also obviously have some injuries um, that they're facing too. So um, this line, I think, is already up to Baltimore minus 13 at most sports books. So I'm already getting a point and a half of value there as well. Give me Baltimore Ravens in the spot. Okay. Colter, what do you got? Yeah, this is a coaching mismatch. I think I'd hit on it earlier in the pod. I I, I like the situation a lot for Baltimore. They're great as a bully. I, it, I, I'm kind of scarred from the, in this game because the last time they played, I had Bengals as my key pick of the week in the in the pool. And as I kind of started with at the top of this pod, it's like the reason why I'm not winning this year is because of misfires like that once a week. And that was like just an absolutely grueling experience. So no way I'm going to be back on the Bengals here. Um, I think they had kind of their Super Bowl win against uh, the Ravens two weeks ago on Monday or the Steelers, sorry, two weeks ago, and then obviously hung tight against the Texans. So I think that's why people are going to end up backing since you're creating a case for them. But like, I just don't see it. I think you have an offensive line that's going to get manhandled by Baltimore's front seven. I don't see Bengals being able to run the ball at all in this game. And that means it's all on Brandon Allen to throw against a secondary that I think is trem- uh, significantly better than what they faced last week against Houston. Um, I, I like this spot. The Ravens are max motivated. This team is playing its best football right now. And I think Harbaugh is really good at kind of keeping the, the train going forward. So I'm going to, I'm not going to cross fire here. I'm definitely on the Ravens. Hughes, Baltimore or yeah. Cincy. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, I'm on Baltimore. I, again, I, since he showed some nice life, I don't know what they have to play for in this game. I, I don't see why they, you know, would really come out. I mean, other than, again, just kind of some of the general pride football stuff we've talked about. The Ravens need the win. Um, I like the Ravens. I think they're trending in the right direction. I also think they'll be able to do some things against uh, uh, Cincy that, you know, ultimately will just set, end up creating more separation as the game goes on. So I'm, I'm on Baltimore. I think the line's also up to 13 or 14 now. So yep. it's climbing. Um, you know, obviously the money's coming in on, on Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I think all, all things considered, I think the, the Ravens just come out and take care of business and get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, Mr. Model, guess what? This is also my key pick. Uh, they need this win. Yes. I, I just I see no world in which they come out flat in this game. Uh, Coulter, you nailed it. The Bengals already played their Super Bowl. That Steelers win was just out of nowhere. Um, and and for me, I watched the, the Giants-Ravens game last week very closely, obviously. And the Ravens just handled the business that they needed to do. Their defense looked sharp. Lamar was running around. Their offense was clicking. 
They won that game 27-13. Uh, I, I see a similar outcome here. I don't think that they're going to kill them by like 30 points here and be an absolute blowout. Um, but I do see two touchdowns. I don't think that the the Bengals team is really any better or any more alive than the Giants. We already saw the Giants beat the, the, the Bengals earlier this year. So if you're looking at that as like a comparison point, um, similar outcome I, I could see there. Uh, I, I just think they're hot. And this is a team that last year was the number one seed overall, was rolling into the playoffs before they got that steamroll. Derrick Henry and the Titans team, you know, they're getting hot and they're peaking at the right time. And, you know, if they go on a little run here, it would not shock me uh, if they're maybe playing the Bills or the Chiefs in the AFC championship game here. So love that 11 and a half. Uh, that is my key pick as well. All right, Mr. Hughes, we've got your key pick of week 17. Who you got? All right. So I went back and forth on a couple of these. Um, and I, again, I keep landing on Arizona. Um, I think that I'm going to roll, I'm going to ride with, with the Cardinals. I think they're minus three currently. Um, I saw Kyler's playing, which was obviously a little bit of a hurdle in terms of figuring out who, who was going to be favored in this game. Um, but I also think, you know, they just with no golf and with some of the other things that are going on with the Rams, um, I'm going to ride with, uh, I'm going to ride with AZ. Uh, I just think I think they they need to they need to make the playoffs more than maybe any team in the NFC in terms of you know trying to show that what they're trying to do is going to work. I think if they don't make the playoffs, given how they've played down the stretch, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about whether or not Cliff Kingsbury is the right coach, whether or not Kyler Murray is the right quarterback, whether or not the whether or not Steve Kimes the right general manager. This is one of those weird, and maybe I'm overplaying this. This is one of those weird turning point games. And so we're going to find out pretty quick from the Cardinals whether they like their current structure or whether they don't, because ultimately I do think it will reflect on how they play. They know they need to win. I think I don't again, I don't think they're going to fire Kingsbury if they don't make the playoffs, but I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about whether that coaching staff, and we've talked about all year, Colts brought it up, like they've been a coaching underdog probably in almost every game they've played. Like they're not a well-coached team. They, they don't play well in the fourth quarter. They make incredible mistakes. I saw some wild stat. I don't know if you guys saw this about how many false start penalties Jalen Hurts and uh, um, and Kyler Murray have. And it's like they're they're by far the two leading uh, um, false start quarterbacks in the NFL. A lot of people are equating that back to Oklahoma. Again, I don't know if like some of how Oklahoma did their pre-snap stuff uh, has affected that. But again, like I just think there's a lot of cracks right now in some of the foundation around is Kyler Murray the future and is this like where the league is going and so i think this is one of those games where if he comes out and shows that he i mean i think he had like, finished third in the league in total fantasy points he, he puts up crazy stats like a lot of cliff kingsbury texas tech teams did but they never could win the games they could never show a level of consistency in my opinion um you know that got them there and so this is a big game i think for, for arizona um i think it's a big game for cliff kingsbury i think it's a big game for kyler murray i think everybody knows that and i think they come out and take care of business especially after that embarrassing Niners loss. That thing just made no sense to me. Coulter, who you got in this game? I can't believe I, <laughs> for those who are listening, Hughes just gave me the, give me the money sign. I am going to crossfire. I will take the Rams. I will take the Rams. Um, and I don't really know why. I think Arizona's offense is really terrible. If you eliminate De- DeAndre Hopkins and if Jalen Ramsey's able to do that, and I think he will, uh, <laughs> I just think that the Arizona can't move the football. I mean, I just don't see who else on that team are you really scared of other than DeAndre Hopkins, the skill position guy? 
And I know he'll get his. He got his at the end of the last time when they played. And I know you can't keep him down forever. And I'm sure he'll shine and have a moment and prove me wrong. But let's just pretend he gets zero catches, zero yards. If I can predict the future and tell you that, are you really telling me that Arizona wins the game? I know the Rams have a backup quarterback, but if you just take out DeAndre Hopkins, remove him from their team and pretend like he doesn't do anything for them on, on Sunday, I don't know. I think this game's a little, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to take the Rams. I, I'm in a wins pool where I need the guy. The guy's one win ahead of me and he has the Rams and I have Packers and Bills. So I, and I need a couple of miracle things to happen, but I'll, I'll just take it as a, like a little hedge. I think the Rams also, you know, the thing too, is they're invested in this roster. I think they want to make the postseason. Just because they have a backup quarterback doesn't mean that they're not going to be they're not going to be disinterested in making the playoffs here. Uh, I think they also just have an advantage over them, uh, Arizona. I think they match up well against them. I think they're going to be able to run the football on them. Not to mention uh, the depleted Niners, who I just was railing against, just beat this Arizona team. So it's like the Rams they don't have a quarterback, but they have everybody else pretty pretty healthy. I think so. Actually, you know they're missing Cup. I know that, but uh, I don't know. I still just like the Rams. I'll I'll take it in Crossfire. He's just for the sake of doing it. Love it. Some crossfire action. Mr. Model, who are you like in this game? Oh my gosh. Can I get in on this crossfire too? I want I want to be with Hughes. I, I want the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it wasn't your key pick, Mr. Model. That's a one-way <laughs> ticket. Darn it. Darn it. So th- this is shocking to me. So uh, the Rams backup quarterback, John Wolford, my understanding is he hasn't taken a game snap all year. Uh, this will be the first time he does it. The line for this game opened, I believe, with uh, the Los Angeles Rams favored minus four or minus three. In our pool, it locked in as L.A. Rams minus one and a half. And now I'm seeing Arizona favored by three points. It has swung four, four and a half points, if not more. I will love Arizona in this spot. If you can give me Arizona plus one and a half, which is what I'm taking in this pool. I wish I could get on Hughes and uh, ride this uh, crossfire as hard as possible, but alas, not going to happen. Uh, give me the Cardinals in the spot. I think they win outright. We're going to have a better uh, handicap than DeAndre Hopkins. I would say bring it on, but I just, I don't think I can do double crossfire. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow up with you, uh, Mr. Model. Maybe, maybe I'll change my mind. I'll, maybe I'll be willing to double up on this. All right, we'll see. I'll have to go to the judges on that one. Maybe take it up with the uh, the Supreme Court on that one. Who knows? But yeah, I uh, I am also on the Cardinals here. I'm not going to get in on the crossfire action, uh, just because I I just don't love what Arizona's doing right now. Hughes, you made a lot of great points about hey, what the hell's going on with this offense? Uh, Coulter, if they shut down DeAndre Hopkins, I'm with you, but I just don't see that happening either. I mean, it, how do you shut him down? Even if that guy gets like three or four catches. I don't think he had a catch in the first half on their first meeting. That's fair. Fair. Well, my other thing though is I, and again, I do agree with the the Hopkins kind of kind of line of of thinking, but I also am curious as to how they have not gotten other guys involved. And I do think that that is the ultimate indictment on what's happened in Arizona is that they they spent a draft pick on Christian Kirk, like he's a good wide receiver. They have other good weapons. They just haven't seemingly been able to get them in space and allow help them make plays. Um, it does seem like it's either Hopkins or Kai or Murray's legs. And that's about it. That's why I think we see it. But as I talk, as, as we talk through this, I don't know if a quarterback could play worse than Jared Goff has played at times this year. And so I don't, it, the fact that we're talking about a, a young guy getting a start, I mean, this is, this has all the makings for the Cinderella story. 
And it has all the makings of the fact that this team is not built around a quarterback. So as I'm talking myself out of the pick that I just made, I am curious to see how this young kid plays because I saw a couple of clips from some preseason stuff, maybe from last year. He threw a couple of lasers. Um, it seems like he's, you know, he's another kind of competitive guy who's going to come out there and he may look a lot better than we think. And honestly, he may look better than Jared Goff. I, I think there's something too, and Hughes is a, a Pats fan. So you can just reject this openly if you want or not, but like, Belichick thrives in these situations where, or did thrive when he had Brady, where Brady would sit out and he had a backup quarterback or wherever, whatever Belichick has to play left-handed, he thrives. He's like 66% against the spread in those situations. He's a better coach when he's down his guys. And if McVay is junior Belichick, and again, Hughes, feel free to reject that as an analogy. I, I might be speaking it over my head, but if McVay is really worth a lick of salt in this league and is as good as the reputation and hype is, isn't this his like wet dream scenario where he gets a backup quarterback just to show the rest of the league, hey, I'm that good at scripting games. I'm that good at calling plays. It doesn't matter who's under center for me. This guy, I, it, the quarterback position for me is interchangeable. I'm Sean McVay, and here's my dick drop on your table. Like it, it, This could be a huge game for him, and I, I kind of like that as, as a reason to pick the Rams here. So, and I would just add on to that. The Cooper Cup thing, I think, actually probably weighed a little bit more on me than the quarterback. Cup's out, uh, COVID. It does not look like he's going to play. Um, and I do think that that ultimately, as you start to peel some of the weapons out of there, um, I think they IR'd uh, one of the, uh, Henderson, one of the running backs this week. They've got some other offensive weapon issues that could ultimately pop up in this game. But, um but yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. And I do think, you know, this is an absolute spot for Mc. I mean, it, this is a coaching mismatch. We've talked about these all year. McVay versus Kingsbury is, you know, college versus in middle school at this point uh, with where Cliff is seemingly at with how this team has been playing. Um, and I think that that's, that's going to be the ultimate thing. That's where it, kind of my take at the beginning was Cliff Kingsbury needs to come out and prove that he can put together a game plan to win a game. He's proven that he can put an offense that can put up points and that he can exploit different things about the skill sets that his players have, but they got to win games. So it'll be an interesting one. That dominance is very, it's, it's something to watch. And Coulter, you, you first said it, that this division, you've seen this carousel of head coaches beating each other and having the advantage. McVay knows what he's doing. I mean, let's just say that we all agree that he's a fantastic coach. There's a definite mismatch here. Um, I, I just, that's a huge question mark at quarterback. I mean, we all know what golf was doing. Golf was terrible. And now you're bringing in a guy who hasn't even taken a snap. So um, I, it's just too much weirdness going on in that game for me. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to take the team that needs it more, which is Arizona. So that's why I'm on them. Um, all right. So we ended up week 17 with some three crossfire actions. That's pretty damn good. What I'd like to do is let's recap uh, our little playoff challenge. So for any listeners who uh, weren't listening last week, we did a impromptu snake draft uh, of who we think is going to win the NFC and the AFC. And now we have got our point total. So I'm just going to go ahead and recap this for everybody. Uh, I have the Packers coming out of the NFC and the bills coming out of the AFC. I love where I am sitting. Mr. Model, you've got the saints and the Steelers. Pretty good. Pretty good. Hughes, you are riding Tom Terrific and the Bucks. I like it, uh, as well as the Titans. That's the only one I might be a little nervous about is the Titans, but we'll see what happens this week. And then Coulter, you are riding the Seahawks and the Chiefs. That's a pretty good spot there, my friend. Um, let's go around the table here. Coulter, how are you feeling about your two teams? 
I'm loving it. I think Seattle's peaking. I think the defense is playing really, really well. Um, you know, I know they lost to your Giants at home, and that's going to, you know, people are going to think about them the wrong way, I think, because of that loss. But this is a defense that's played really well. I know they haven't played really good quarterbacks down the stretch, but I like what they're doing on that side of the ball. And with Wilson, I think he's the one quarterback that can uh, kind of escape that Green Bay pass rush that I talked about early on. So if it's if it comes down to Wilson and Rodgers in the NFC Championship game, which I think it actually will, uh, you know, I have a future on Green Bay KC. So either way, that's a winner for me, I think. And uh, so, yeah, I like my spot with Seattle. And what's there not to like about the Chiefs? I mean, this team basically slept walk to a 14-2 and two season. Um, I'm just excited to see if they can turn it on in the playoffs. I think they can. I think their defense is actually playing really well, too. Um, so, yeah, I like my spots. I got two of the best three, four quarterbacks in football, and I think two defenses that are playing at their their best level all season. So the, the Chiefs kind of remind me of the, uh, the golden state Warriors those, those years where they were just coasting through the regular season and then just flip a switch in the, the playoffs. So we'll see if that happens for them. It's, al- it's also nice that it, according to uh, this little playoff picture thing that I have in front of me that the model sent over before we started that, if everything holds, let's just say everybody wins, it's supposed to win. And that includes the Rams. So I just best bet or crossfired on, they're going to be playing Seattle with Jared Goff's injured thumb or, or War- Warford in the opening round. That's automatic points for me in this little system we've got going. So I like that. Yep. And I'll go over the point system a little bit. Hughes, how do you feel about your squads? Um, I feel great. Um, I've got the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time, the most successful playoff quarterback of all time, the most Super Bowls of all time. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I think they're playing well. I think there was you know, some questions about their defense, some questions about how he was getting along with the coach. Um, I don't know if anybody watched that game, not that there was much competition uh, when they played the Lions. Um, but at the same time, like he's spreading it around, guys are involved. Um, and I'm really liking the Tampa pick uh, in the NFC because I think the NFC is just a total crapshoot right now. Uh, and I'm not worried about Tom having to go play anywhere else. Like he's a guy who's gone on the road and won um, at different times in his career. He hasn't had to do it a lot in the playoffs because uh, the Pats have had home field. But at the same time, the places he's going to be going are going to – I think resemble what it was like in New England from a weather perspective, potentially if he has to go to green Bay. Um, and so, or, or potentially, um, I guess that that would really be the only one, um, that could really mess, mess with the weather. But, uh, but I like, I like that. And then in terms of the AFC, I've got, I think the best running team. Um, and I think that ultimately the playoffs sometimes turn into that, you know, it depends, the matchups do dictate, but I like the fact that I've got, you know, a bell cow and I've got a team that was close last year. I mean, if you look at the first half of that chiefs game, they were right there. Uh, they couldn't pull it out. They couldn't. And, and again, Mahomes is a magician, um, played great. Um, obviously, I mean, he's the best player in the NFL. Uh, but at the same time, I have been a little down on how the Chiefs have played this year. And so, you know, if I'm going into a Chiefs-Titans game again this year, I'm liking where I'm at from the perspective that they can try and control the clock a little bit more, try and control the game. Um, so I'm, I'm liking where I'm at with both. Um, I, I do think, you know, ultimately the Titans need to make the playoffs. So uh, obviously that's going to be an interesting thing this week. Need to get them in. Uh, but I do think they get in. I think they get in. And I, I like I like the momentum that they maybe will be able to create um, depending on who they play in the first round. Maybe we can come up with some kind of uh, buy-in system where if the Titans get eliminated, maybe you pay a little fee to pick a new team. Maybe we'll, we'll explore that one. But Mr. Model, how do you feel about your two squads? Yeah, I think the uh, New Orleans Saints are I can't miss for the NFC. While they may have missed out on the first seed, um, hopefully not. Maybe they can grab that this this weekend. Um, I think as a number two or number three, I think they'll still be really strong and and be favored in nearly any game that they have against their opponents. On the other side for the AFC, Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that were hot early, have obviously stumbled as of late. I think a lot of folks are um, maybe down 
on them, and I think I'm getting them um, maybe with some good value, and uh, you know certainly taking some futures on them to see if they can get to the AFC Championship, uh, where I see them likely facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we shall see on that one, but I uh, I feel good about mine and hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers can put a, put a couple of good games together here. I'm glad you all feel comfortable because let me tell you how I feel. Fucking amazing about my squads. Both my teams have won five in a row. They are hot. I got to take out the Chiefs because they've won like 10 in a row. Uh, besides the Chiefs, though, I got the two hottest teams in football. If the NFC has got to come through Lambeau, which it should, I'm sitting even better. You're telling me these teams are going to want – you tell me Tom – is going to want to bring his Buccaneers. I know he's used to it, but the Bucks are going to go. The warm weather Bucks are going to go into Lambeau. No shot. I know Tom will probably play great, but the rest of his team are going to have icicles on their arms. And then the Bills, if you're going through Orchard Park, same thing. It's going to be freezing. We got Josh Allen just lighting up the skies. Oh, do I love it. So we'll, we'll off air, we'll figure out what the buy-in is for this and maybe what you know cost is per team. We'll figure it out. But this is the scoring system. So we're going to do one point for a buy. So if your team has got the number one seed, Coulter, you've automatically got a point in your pocket. We're doing one point for a win in the wild card round, two points for a win in the divisional round, five points for a win in the conference championship, and then 10 points if you win the Super Bowl. Much like a March Madness bracket, we are rewarding the teams that go deep. So we'll have to figure out what our uh, buy-in is on that one, but it's going to be a good, uh, a good little tournament and a good way to keep our interest, uh, you know, through the rest of the playoffs. Should be yeah, fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's like one of those, one of those interesting kind of case studies in how how these uh, matchups will play out, especially for the first round, um, because obviously there's there's some teams in the mix that ne- neither none of us have, and so it will be it will be funny if you know we went ahead and picked eight teams out of the 14 that are going to get in. And somehow we did, don't end up picking the Super Bowl teams or uh, teams that end up in the conference championship. Yeah. That'd be a little embarrassing, but we'll see. All right, gentlemen, another great episode in the books. That was episode number 94 of double down Trent. We'll see everybody next week. Baby, look at me, look at me, your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.